It is Wednesday, March 1st, 2017, and you are listening to episode 66 of Roll Up and Die. This is the throat clearing phase of the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. It it always happens. Commence throat clearing in five, four, three, two, one. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. How now, brown cow? (laughs) What else could we do to take ourselves more seriously? Um... We've we done like countdowns we're, we're and we've actually done practices. doing things on this podcast. Oh, what's that? Uh, we do I said we're pra- acting like we actually do things to prepare for this podcast. Oh, yeah, we could do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at the very least, the banter. But, but I always feel like, you know, we could plan the banter beforehand. <clears throat> and sometimes we do, right? Mm. Sometimes, uh, like Matt or myself or Alex will say, hey, I have a banter topic for tonight. Yeah, yeah. I got mm-hmm. something I want to talk about. I got yeah, something I need yeah. to get off my chest or whatever. Or I've got a story about my neighbors or what, you know, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Oh, shoot. I do have a story about my neighbors. Continue, Barker. I have a story <laughs> okay, good. No, mind. this is perfect. <laughs> that, Ladies and gentlemen, you just saw a little bit behind the barbed curtain of Roll Up and Die. Let the story about the neighbors commence. Warning. The following content may disturb you. Okay, so this is a totally different set of neighbors. I think I have moved twice since I told a story about my neighbors. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, been, yeah. it's been a while. It's been a long time coming, man. So picture Matt's neighbors as you know them, and now yeah. picture them differently. Now picture and them that, completely different. New neighbors. Yeah. So I, uh, I live in Tacoma now. I actually live in the city of Tacoma. And uh, my wife and I live in a townhouse. And we're in, we're in like a little, it's like a, almost like a little gated, uh, like, square with six townhouses three on each side so it's like it's not like an apartment complex it's just six townhouses that are owned by the same landlord and they all share a little courtyard that has it's like as small as a Mm. gated community could be without you know being too small you know exactly exactly so it's really nice we have a little courtyard and we can go out there and each of us has a little garden out front of our house so we can plant stuff and it's it's really nice uh we love all of our neighbors uh they're all really nice they all have like dogs and cats and stuff so we, we all get along and our, our dogs all get along and stuff but there's one neighbor at the end uh at the end of the row that we've had multiple issues with and luckily we are as far removed from them as possible we're on the complete opposite end so we don't interact with them very much but they are very close to the parking spots in our alley behind the behind the courtyard and parking here is a little bit of an issue because it's all street parking unless you have a reserved spot in the alleyway and we've come home multiple times to find them parked in our spot or them mm. having thrown clothes and stuff into our spot because the husband and wife fight a lot and the husband gets kicked out a lot, like multiple <laughs> times a month. Jeez. So multiple times we'll come home from something or my wife will come home from work <laughs> and there will be like a suitcase of clothes in our parking spot because the woman just <laughs> takes it and just throws it out into the parking lot, not caring where it goes. And so- We've had some issues with these people, but but nothing nothing too bad. But so the other day, I was out walking my dog in the morning, and I noticed that there was an extension cord going from their balcony 
to the outside outlet of their next door neighbors in the other townhouse. I was like, that's weird. That's really yeah. weird. But I didn't, I didn't say anything or do anything because it's like, ah, that's not my problem. I'm not going to worry about it. And so uh, but then that night, I'm out walking my dog again, and I see that the extension cord is still dangling there, but it's unplugged, and there's a little note next to the outlet. And so I'm Ooh. like, oh. So I like, I, I'm always one for drama. So I go and I walk up, <laughs> and I read the note, and it says something like, uh, it says something like, this is not your electricity. Don't use it or something like that. Or like, you don't yep. pay for this power, so don't use it. Something like that. So I'm like, oh, man, that's crazy. I can't believe it. So they, they must have gotten their power shut off, and they're, they're trying yeah, yeah. to steal electricity from the, from the other tenants. So today, I'm like, I'm walking, and they have the cord, again, stretched even farther, like across the walkway <laughs> to another townhouse plugged in. And I'm like, what the hell? So... They're just like trying every wow. outlet, every townhouse, siphoning electricity. Yeah, just <clears throat> siphoning electricity. So, um, I'm th- I'm thinking about calling the landlord about it, but I'm also just like, you know what? If the if I'm not going to call the landlord for somebody else, if somebody else wants to call the landlord, they can, but I'm not going to yeah. get involved. Um, but it's just like it's unreal, man. I've never yeah. seen wow. that before. The real question is, can they reach your outlet? And they, uh, if they had a long enough extension cord, they could they could probably stretch and it get a couple. The and would it be worth to set a set a trap? No. Not, what kind of what kind of trap would I set, Alex? Well, what I would suggest is something that would short out the electrical system or anything attached to it. Oh. So in other words, you, you put a you put a false front on your outlet, something that's going to mm-hmm. short out their system. So it's basically just like a loop wire. So as soon as right. they plug in, it just shorts out their entire electrical system or anything attached. Or well, whatever to it. it is they plugged in. Yeah, right, right. It'll just go. Dude, you're a you're Whoa. a madman, Alex. I love it. That's yeah. I love that's it. not only a good trap idea. That is that teaches a lesson. Like that's <laughs> and you can always you can always say, "Whoa, man! I had no idea it was going to do that." Glad yeah. you tested it and not me. You know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So it's yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. And then oh, and then last night, one of my other neighbors uh, lives across the way. A really nice guy. He comes and knocks on our door. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? He goes, hey, uh, do you own a, what was it? I can't remember what kind of car it was. It was like a, a Mazda. Clearly something. not like, yours. Yeah, clearly not my car. Right, right. Like, we, drive a, we drive a Ford Focus. He's like, do you, you know, you have a Mazda something or other out there? And I was like, uh, no, that's not us. Why? Is there lights on? And he goes, no, they're parked sideways across two spots. I was like, <laughs> oh. And I was like, what color is it? And he's like, it's black. And I was like, does it have big rims on it? He goes, yeah. I go, oh, that's the neighbor that's been siphoning electricity too. So dude, it's just, I mean, I'm like, dude, are you trying to get kicked out because you were, <laughs> you just oh, keep breaking all the rules. So this guy literally was so pissed. He's knocking on doors. And uh, I was like, you can call the towing company. He goes, oh, I'm going to. He's like, I'm going to knock on all these doors first to see if I can find out who it is. And then I'm calling the towing company. I was yeah. like, okay, shit. All right. So anyway, I uh, I'm sure I'll have more stories from them uh, in the future. Well, that's <laughs> exciting. It's all it's only just begun. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We had bad neighbors, but like ours was a crack house. Um, mm. This was back when we were living in southern Maine, uh, and and people would come sit out on the porch and they'd yell and argue till the wee hours in the morning, swearing oh, and yeah, and then yeah. occasionally they get drunk and they'd like literally run out into the street and start fighting. It really came to a head when this one guy. St- storm down to the street and he's screaming at someone and this car comes up in the street as you would imagine and this guy like runs up to them starts banging on the hood of their car oh my god and, it's, and so the guy the other car like backs down this one way street to, to get away from him but it's like <laughs> I love that the car just backs away they're just like uh, yeah yeah sorry wrong street nope, let me nope, get nope, out nope, of here nope 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 
Well, yeah. it, it, it's funny because it got me to researching, like, they sell synthetic skunk smell, right? Oh, so, really? Uh, so I was researching that, and it's like, because, if it, you know, if, if, I put it, if I put that out by their porch, then they're not going to want to sit there, and they're not going to think oh, that dude. I did that, you know? So maybe, yeah. maybe what you need to do is get, get a paintball gun, you know, and, and a syringe and inject the, paintball, the paintballs with this scent. It's going to like, some skunk came out and shot a bunch of <laughs> stink pellets at his ass at our house. That's how they work. All over our porch. I got hit with two of them. One hit little Joey in the eye. I don't know why this is your neighbor. <laughs> did you? So did you uh, do that, Alex? No, I never, I never, we ended up moving oh away. I, I, never, I never ended up uh, getting the, uh, the, the scent, but uh, I, I was really tempted because it was just like, that is it was just... so stressful. You know, listening to people scream in anger and fight outside oh, your dude, window when you're trying to oh, sleep. Oh, it's, it's, like, it's super stressful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And How about a chicken like, bomb? You're, you're wait- <laughs> What's a chicken bomb? No, you first. What, what were you going to say it? when I interrupted you? No, I was just, I was going to say something meaningful, but I want to hear about chicken bombs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. So a chicken bomb uh, was recommended <clears throat> to us. We'll call her Sally to <clears throat> protect her identity. Uh, she recommended it to us to uh, potentially do uh, a, a prank on another person that we did not do. We didn't do, but basically what you do yeah, is yeah. you take a chicken, a raw chicken, mm-hmm. and you put the chicken inside of a Ziploc bag and you seal it. And then you put this thing inside the ceiling of wherever oh, the no. room is that you <laughs> want this to. Sounds, this sounds horrible. Over the next oh, many months. Be slowly but surely oh, become God. an unlivable space. But the you know how the whole like frog boiling theory. Um, yeah, if you drop a frog in hot water, it'll jump right out. But if you right, slowly right. boil <clears> it, <throat> people will live in this shit for like six months until they're like, okay, what the hell is yeah, happening? Yeah. Because now there's like some residue. Oh, I like it as you create a biohazard inside right, their like house. It. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's absolutely. horrible. That's the worst thing I've ever. Well, the cool thing about putting it in the plastic heard. bag too is it'll be a while because the gas yes. is going to build up inside and finally it'll just absolutely. Oh, that's the moment, oh, and then release God. the smell. It's time delayed. That's awesome. Yes, it's it's time delayed. It's like a it's like a long fuse. Oh, I love that. They call it a uh, they call it a freezer bag fuse. Yeah, I picture brilliant. like Barker with like a watch and he's like looking out the window and the watch is like counting down and he like goes, should be going off right about now. And he just hears, oh God, like from across the street. <laughs> What's that leaking from the ceiling? Jeez. Oh, that's oh, horrible, man. man. That's, that is, oh man, that's devious. I hate I, that. By the way, don't <laughs> do this. If you're at home no, and listening to this, no, 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 do not, not do this. Do what are you, what are you thinking right now? Wait. You're thinking about that person that you're going to do this to? Listen, nobody deserves it. Maybe they deserve it, but but some not do. this. Some do. Not Some do. Okay, well, never mind. Maybe. It's up to you. I'm going to leave it to your judgment, listener. That's right. <laughs> if that happened to me, I'd be. I call the person up. I'd be like, "Hey, man." They're like, "Hey." I'm like, "Did you leave a chicken in my ceiling?" <laughs> oh, I did. Did you find it? Yeah. <laughs> Don't ever talk to me again, okay? Just hang up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you leave a chicken in my ceiling? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, uh, on Jeopardy, that's the that's the one. Uh, I'll take uh, phrases I never thought I'd say for a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna keep that in mind. Though. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the uh, shorting out the uh, setting a trap for this guy if yeah. he tries to steal my electricity. I don't think he will though, because if 
if the guy is trailing an extension cord to steal people's power, <clears throat> I don't think he's got the money to run to the hardware store and buy three extensions <laughs> to get across or, or, the courtyard. Or, or the motivation, really. I mean, or the motivation. Face, that, that's pretty exactly. lazy. You know? Exactly. You know, yeah. What I think the twist ending of this story is going to be is that in about a week, this person who lives in this home who's been siphoning electricity is going to come over to your house and he's going to say, hey, man, I listened to that episode of Roll Up and Die and I am so sorry. I'm going to make it up to everybody in this neighborhood. I didn't realize that the Matt Click lived in my same little gated community until I listened to that episode. I realized I'm the sumbitch with the, with the big red Mazda. So uh, my apologies. Roll Up and Die, changing lives since 2015. A very special episode of Roll The More You Know. (laughs) And speaking of stories, see that? Boom, kaboom, segue. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Roll Up and Die, your sometimes right twice a day podcast, RPG podcast. Not whenever I do these (laughs) intros, though. They always go wrong. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnock. And... Today, we are going to be talking about the exposition of your story inside of your tabletop RPG game. What does this mean? When I say this exposition, what does it mean to you guys? So to me, exposition is like is like backstory. It's information that is not uh, being discovered necessarily by the characters as they're going, but rather some sort of. Uh, information that is already present in the world that maybe multiple people know. Um, and oftentimes you see exposition being presented in sort of a hackneyed way. Uh, a really The best example of an, ex- an expository character that I can think of in recent media is uh, the character of Gibbs from the Pirates of the Caribbean films. He mm-hmm. is always there to be like, I, the legend of the blah, blah. There's some say, and they're just like, I feel like they keep they, they yeah. keep Gibbs on retainer just so he can just give the exposition that they need at any given time. And this is first well, officer exposition. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's take a scene from a movie that I know you like, Matt, Jaws. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's a scene in Jaws where Bro explains <clears throat> the shark. Yes. And I know that because I've seen a sketch of the whitest kids you know that deals with that scene because I've only seen Jaws once and I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> okay. So is that exposition? Yeah, Would I think that so. Count? I, I think it is. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, exposition is is anything that the, specifically that the characters need to know, but more importantly that the audience needs to know. Yeah. And in D&D, you have the unique uh, situation where the audience are the characters. You are right. you are giving exposition for both the <clears> character's <throat> benefit and yeah. also the players sitting around the table's benefit. Yeah. When, what, okay, so I'm going to ask a question and then try to answer it. What's yeah. the difference between exposition and just explaining the plot of the story, explaining the overall story arc? And when I hear the term exposition, I think of things, especially in role-playing <laughs> games, I think of things that aren't as story-driven, things yeah. that are about the world, maybe about the characters in the world that yeah. might not be t- tied directly to the, you know, the person you are trying to rescue at that moment. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not a writer, per se, but I think that, okay. for me, exposition is when it's done right and explaining is when it's done wrong. <laughs> you know, That's kind of how awesome. I think of it. Because exposition is, is when it's revealed kind of in an organic, natural way. You know, um, uh, you know, it can be done bad where you have, you know, a character just walk up to the thing. It's like, well, it's a shame that we uh, can't fix this wall because we've been attacked 12 times in the past three days by these uh, marauders. And if only we had someone to help us and, and, you know, and and they just pretty much go into the soliloquy explaining the problem. Right. 
Yeah. Which is kind uh, of obvious yeah. and and contrived and and it just doesn't and, it feels fake, you know. And a problem we all have sometimes. Yes. <laughs> I I'm, I'm just like I'm like let me I'm about to judge all y'all but but know that I have been hit with a lot of stones oh, yeah. before, I'm gonna, before I'm gonna throw a couple. Oh for sure. This, I, uh, this is a big yeah, fault yeah. of mine. <laughs> I think I think that the the thing that separates exposition from the narrative, like what you're saying, Barker, mm. is that the exposition is specifically tied to like background information. It's stuff that pertains to the setting or uh, backstories of characters, okay. um, like the history of the world, things like that. It's yeah. information that people know. It's like readily available about the world. And so the hurdle that we come in that we come across is like, how do I present exposition to the players in a cool way? Even mm. if the characters would already know this, you know yeah. what I mean. Like how, how it's, yeah. it's always sort of janky when someone's like, "Well, what do I know about these people?" And like you have to explain, yeah. "Well, you would know this," you know what I mean. Like that's exposition. Yeah. It's something <clears throat> the character already knows, but the player does not. Well, there's a few okay. big. There's a few different kinds of exposition too. There's the there's the big exposition at the beginning, which we kind of already yeah, touched yeah. on, which is you know, you know, laying the world world out before the viewers. In this case, like you said, the players. Um, that's, that's the big one where, 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 where it's perfectly okay to like go into this obvious exposition. It's like 200 years ago, the elves marched down from the mountains and slew the great dragons, blah, blah, blah. You know, and and you go through this whole description of, of what happened and that's perfectly fine at the beginning of an adventure or a campaign. Um, but when you get down to, you know, exposition in the game, it, it, it gets tricky because like you said, you don't want to make it too, you know ham-fisted and 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 obvious and yeah and contrived so you can have campaign exposition you know and and that's and that that tends to be more in the form at least as i've seen is kind of foreshadowing it's like right. you know uh uh where where some where, where you hear people talking about how the king is is uh massing an army for some unknown reason and that there are rumors from the northern lands of great giants moving in from the mountains you know and 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 they start to hear these little things and that's kind of exposition for the campaign the, the larger okay. campaign and then you can have exposition for you know what are we doing right now i don't know i think that tends to be more character driven because you know once they're sort of given the hook to you know, to the adventure they're on, then they're then they're kind of going out and asking these questions, and and so they're sort of fishing for their own, um, you yeah. know, information. Well, when I think of exposition, now that you're t- <clears throat> you you mentioned a few things there, Alex, that kind of made my mind blow a little bit, uh, just a little bit in the in the in the reptilian brain. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I'm feeling like there are two types of exposition, <clears throat> like kind of building on what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. There's the kind where. Uh, at the beginning of the game, I put on an NPC <clears throat> voice and I explain the the story. And maybe not even the beginning of the game. Mm. Uh, you know, if I die roll, it's a success on my history check. So can I learn yeah. the history of this dwarven yeah. city? This dwarven city crumbled after a massive battle. Shook it. You know, like that is <clears throat> one type of exposition. While another might be a small, more subtle inserting of information more often to build that same picture. So instead of saying, boom, here's this exposition, how about we t- break that exposition down into four or five things yeah. and then place those four or five things along the, the, the along maybe this one game session or this uh, three sessions mm. or the entire campaign. I kind of like the idea of talking about how to do that second one better. Yeah. Well, I agree mm. because there's yeah. a, one of the biggest dangers of 
like expository dialogue <clears throat> and like using exposition as, as a narrative technique in your gaming is overburdening your players, giving them too much oh, yeah. information yeah. where it's like, they're not going to mm-hmm. remember all these names and dates and places and like all of this history that goes into the world. It's like, you need to break down what's pertinent at the time because you like we're talking about, there's going to come a time when your characters say, what do I know about this? Or they're going to realize that they know something about, you know, a certain event, a certain person. It's not necessary for them to know all of it outright. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like uh, an example is like in the provokers campaign, like the, the organization, the convocation, the Griffin writing peacekeepers, everyone knows about the convocation. Everyone knows like sort of the things that they've done and what they've been involved in. But even so, the characters learned more about the convocation as the campaign went on, just as a byproduct of interacting with characters from the convocation, you know, not necessarily because they didn't know, but just because that information came up and was suddenly important. (laughs) So like, like you're saying, Barker, like putting your exposition throughout the campaign is, is smart. I think instead of doing a big info dump at the beginning or even worse, writing a 30 page exposition document and saying, read this before we start playing. Do your homework before we play this game. It's weird. It's somewhat ironic because that's how we get our campaign settings, you know, uh, how we did until fifth edition, right? We got the Eberron campaign setting book and read all Mm -hmm. the pages and stuff. But I think it comes down to the GM to do that stuff. And when it comes to giving it to the players, that's when these strategies come in. These kind of exposition building ones. How, where would you start if I was saying, okay, let's take a big background, right? Big exposition to a story, any story you can think of. Where would you start to break it down in more digestible chunks to be placed around the campaign, uh, throughout the campaign? Well, I think, okay, so this is maybe the greatest example of exposition for me is in Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's a scene near the beginning. It's after the big action sequence at the beginning. And so you already know who Indiana Jones is. You already know what Mm -hmm. his deal is. You get a feel for the character. But then these men from the government show up at his university and they want to talk to him about uh, this message that they intercepted from the Nazis that has to do with the Ark of the Covenant. And there's this, it's maybe five or six minutes long where Indiana Jones talks about the Ark of the Covenant. And it's cool because you get a little bit about his character. He's clearly excited about the Ark, the way he talks about it. But he goes over like three or four big things. He's like, okay, the Ark of the Covenant was in this city and then it was lost. It does this, this, and this. Everything that he talks about is super pertinent. It's all foreshadowing to the rest of the movie. Like there's a scene where he flips open this book and he's like, look at that. It's a piece of art of the Ark. He flips it around and he shows it to the government men and the government men say, what's that? And he says, ah, it's lightning, flames, power of God. That happens later on in the movie. And when it happens, you're like, oh, I know what that is because Indiana Jones was talking about it earlier. And it's really smart because you have a smart, knowledgeable person talking to people who don't know anything about the arc. And they serve as like our POV characters in that scene. And so for me, when I'm doing exposition, I'm going to throw things in there that I know might come up later on and that are pertinent later on in the campaign. I might not know exactly how, but at least I might have a vague idea that they might come into play. Well, if you need to, you can bring in these, um, un, you know, un, uh, what's word, unknowledgeable characters. Yeah, you know, like like those government men. <clears throat> they they don't really appear much in that movie when you really think about it. They're there to show up to give India's marching orders, but really they're there for the exposition because yeah. they're the ones who are outside who don't know anything about this, and so they need to have it explained to them. So in in a in a, in a D and D campaign. You could do that in a lot of ways. You could have, um, you know, maybe a storyteller sitting in a corner of a tavern with these kids around him telling the story of the dragon of the mountain. 
and it, it's just sort of background story, but you know, he's, you know, but it's, it's, it is feeding them information. And if they're paying attention, they can actually, you know, get something from that. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and then as we, as an audience, we don't feel like the, the story is talking down to us <clears> because <throat> the right. information is being presented to somebody who doesn't know about it. And we're exactly. sort of benefiting from that as, as a result. And so yeah. you can do the same thing <clears throat> with your characters in a, in a game of D and D. Yeah. I think another uh, more specific example of how someone might utilize exposition in just a regular, you know, normal game of D&D, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's say there's a, a massive shriek on the horizon, and one uh, of the characters decides to roll a survival check or nature check or you know whatever they want to invoke to try to figure out what that is, right? You wouldn't just tell them, you know, it's a... Uh, Oh my gosh! A, a I'm gonna have trouble with the idea we can steal tonight, guys. My brain's dead. Uh, with the uh, <laughs> the shrieking swallow, right? It's this tiny bird. What a horrible, horrible! The shrieking swallow. The shrieking swallow. <laughs> Be careful, children! Not Tread walk not too into deep. the woods. Into uh, the just woods. on a side note, if anyone does steal that idea for their campaign, we want to hear about that. Yeah, I want to hear about the shrieking absolutely. swallow. Shrieking swallow, God. Um, yeah. But well, I guess I got to keep it. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, the player rolls the die. Uh, they succeed. <clears throat> Let's say they succeed enough for you mm-hmm. to describe it to them. Instead yeah. of saying, okay, this is the the evil and conniving shrieking swallow. All right? Instead of saying that, you say, the woods around you transform into a similar forest that you remember from your childhood. Mm-hmm. There you are once again clutching a small <clears throat> bow with a small arrow knocked on the string. And there's your... Mother next to you, you hear it, the shriek in the distance. Your mother looks to you and says, now's the time. You must prove yourself now and kill the shrieking swallow. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) right? So, and then you snap back to it. That description's over, right? It it could be a grizzly bear. It could be a dire wolf. It could be a beholder. It could be a shrieking swallow. It could be a squirrel. Whatever it is, (laughs) you pull out of that description. That is exposition delivered in a way that usually would just be delivered... Oh, well, you know, uh, yeah, it's a shrieking swallow. Here are the stats. Here's the mechanics. Uh, You saw one when you were a kid. Yeah, Yeah, flashbacks are a great way to do that. Yeah, I mean, you could have it flashback to a, a university... Uh, uh, room with the with the professor sort of explaining about this thing. You could have, yeah, um, I, that, you know, like that going Indiana Jones to, example, right? Right, yeah. Go, you could have you could have a flashback going back to an uncle, you know, sitting around a fire telling a story about this troll that he he you know he he once saw, and you know, yeah, you can go into all you know, frame it in a way that makes sense to the character. Yeah, I love that. Uh, that's yeah. a, that's one of my favorite pieces of advice you've ever given Barker. I remember I watched uh, <laughs> before we even knew each other, before we even like spoke, I saw a video of yours where you were talking about cinematic skill checks. And that was one of your, <clears throat> one of your pieces of advice was, you know, using the skill check and, yeah. you know, f- actually describing a, a memory or something that they actually have experienced rather than just saying, Oh yeah, you roll on your arcana and you know that it's a magic missile spell. No, you describe, you know, when they were at the Wizards College and they couldn't figure out how to do Magic Missile and the day that they finally cast it, you know, you do mm, that instead. Yeah. And it's like such a yep. cool character moment, you know, and that's yep. like anything in a story, you want to have character be the motivating factor. And that could be the mm-hmm. same thing with exposition is you can have it focused on characters. Yep. Well, let's actually talk to the players who are listening too. how can a player do something that adds exposition to their own character background without 
saying, all right, everybody, stop. I have a speech about my exposition to give. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, an example I can think <clears throat> of, this is, uh, this is the only thing I can think of right now, I swear, uh, is in The Provokers when Dice uh, casts a spell. He seems very surprised that he cast it. And then I, I described these pebbles and hunks of ruin floating around him. And that's how I described him gaining mage hand, the ability to grab yeah. objects with his mind. What are some other examples that you can do that, you know, that you can utilize as a player to add exposition to your own background without dragging down the entire game? People shy away from getting in their characters' heads mm. too much because they feel like, you know, people shouldn't be able to perceive what the character is thinking or what or whatever. But I think, you know, it's a storytelling technique that you get in your character's head and get in their perspective. And so I think, like, like I was playing in a game the other night and I was playing a, a, a vampire character and he was the last he was the last of his vampire tribe. And his family and his and his friends had all had all been killed, and he was in this adventuring party now. And his adventuring party was in very very real danger. And so I had this moment where I described how you know he hesitates for a moment when he sees this monster that they're fighting. And it, you know normally he's quick with his bow and drawing back, but he but he hesitates for a second, and then he remembers the screams of his family and and the loneliness that he's felt all these years, and he thinks about these people that he's with right now and how they have welcomed him, even though he's a monster, even though he's this, this monstrous creature and they've, they've welcomed him as a friend, nay, a brother. And he realizes that this is his family now and he doesn't want to lose his family. And then mm. I proceed with my turn. And it's like, that's in my character's head. Yep. Nobody, nobody yeah. knows that my character is thinking that, but it's presented in such a way that I'm not like spotlight. Like, here we go. I'm going to do a little <laughs> monologue here. Yep. It's more just like, this yeah. is how these, <clears throat> this is the motivation behind my character's action. And I'm doing it in such a way that it's no more jarring than if you were reading it in a book. Yeah. And right. I want to know that as another yeah. player, I want to exactly. know what your character yeah. is thinking your character, even though my character wouldn't be able to hear it. Because if you describe the hesitation, then maybe after the combat, my character can say something like, Hey, what, why'd you pause? Yeah, for a yeah. moment, like and 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 maybe offer up a discussion or something like that, because that's right. I think sharing the exposition of all the characters around the table—that's how you build a really fun and uh, well connected party. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you have a different character, I mean, plan sort of you know they're, how they're going to react to certain things, especially if they have uh, a, a background that maybe the, the other characters don't know, you know, um, and. Like I said, even if you just describe a look on their face when something happens or, you know, um, a, uh, you know, if they get quiet after a certain event oh, and they yeah. go off by themselves. I mean, you know, describe, describe themselves things. humming a song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. build those sort of things in. You, you don't have to go like, you know, like, like Matt said, you don't have to go to this huge long explanation of your, your history, but by putting those little things in, it will not only add to, to the character's depth, but also um, inspire other players to ask about it. And then yeah. you get these really cool scenes, you know, where people delve into each other's past. And then, and then, and then it doesn't feel contrived at all. Yeah, uh, you know, that's someone, exactly right. Asks. <clears throat> because, yeah, because someone is literally coming up to you and saying, hey, can you give me some exposition about your character? Right. Like, and it comes naturally <laughs> instead, of, right, right. instead of being sort of, you know, contrived and just, you know, being crammed down people's throats. It's like <laughs> the uh, in our uh, pipeline game, the little Polaroid photo that my character yes. had. Yes. I was constantly talking how every every chance he got, he was taking out this Polaroid, looking at this Polaroid. And then at the end, I think it was Barker's character finally asked me, you know, hey, you know, wh who's on that photo or whatever? And it was the guy's dog. You know? His dog. Yeah. 
Yep. And it was, and I got to tell this That's story awesome. about this dog that yep. he that he was missing, and and that it, it came very naturally. And it's because I focused on those those little things of my character, you know, the objects that he was carrying that were important mm-hmm. to him, things like that, or like you're saying, Barker, a song that they're humming, like yeah. just yep. do stuff like that, and the exposition will happen naturally. And if you're building a character, you don't even have to have the idea solidified in your head, even if it comes exactly. to something weird that they're wearing, like you know, you could you, you might just decide that your character is wearing. A uh, you know a yellow stone with a uh, uh, with a with a circle in it and a, and a spot in the middle, and you know you as a player may not have no idea what that is to start, but yeah. it's interesting. And then yep. over time you sort of think about it, and maybe you do come up with something that it means, you know, and then you can add it in later. But by add, by 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 doing that, you're sort of like seeding later exposition, I guess. Yeah, because this is more sort of exposition right. creating than it is necessarily, you know. Yeah, those the what I was just saying the the five e trinket tables are phenomenal yeah. for yeah. for that sort of exposition or or background. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing you mentioned, Alex, is like <clears throat> the, the, is creating an exposition or delivering an exposition back to as a game master mm-hmm. more organic and naturally than plunk. Here's a thirty page <laughs> PDF. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> it, so I I think. In a, using a more slow reveal, one thing I might do, and and is I would I would take a map of my world, a map of wherever these people are playing. Now I'm kind of fortunate in that I have a bit a, a rough map of what I of where everything is, but you might not. So whatever it is, grab a sheet of paper and just you know draw whatever the map is of yeah. of the current area, the current region, whatever. Um, even if you're going to change it later, and and take. A Chekhov's gun, right? This is a, a, an analogy that's always used mm-hmm. by me, and I know Tim likes it as well. Chekhov's gun says, if you hang a rifle or a gun above the bar in Act 1, it needs to be fired by Act 2. <laughs> and take your exposition and break yep. it down into five <clears throat> points, right? Okay, someone's invading through a bunch of portals that are opening. Okay, mm-hmm. portals are opening. That's exposition number one. Uh, there are monsters coming through. That's exposition number two. Mm-hmm. And there are those monsters are linked to the same person controlling <clears throat> them. That's exposition number three. And mm-hmm. four, that person wants to take over the world. And hang those guns around your map. Decide, okay... This city here, that's where the people are going to learn about this guy that's wanting to take over the world. So that's number four. Okay, th- this cave over here, that's where a portal's going to open and some monsters are going to come out. So that's how they're going to discover that, you know, the portals are open and mm-hmm. whatnot. Yeah. And then let the characters go where they want and then reveal the exposition more naturally. Right. Uh, and in this case, geo- uh, geographically. Mm-hmm. I think that's really smart. That's like... That's very similar to a piece of advice I've given before is when you're crafting a campaign is treat it like you're setting up a board game that you don't know how to play yet. Just put pieces on the table. Set up the board and put the pieces on the board. And you don't need to know how those pieces necessarily interact or where they're going to end up or how they work yet. But just put them on the board and those pieces will be there for you later on in the campaign to utilize. And so right. drop little hints. Put plot hooks in there that you don't know where they end up. Mm-hmm. Put characters and NPCs in there that you don't necessarily know their deal yet. Yeah. And wherever the PCs end up going, that basically signals to you, oh, hey, cool, they're heading towards this piece on the board. I'm going to start developing that piece and figuring out exactly what it does in relation yeah. to all the other pieces on the board. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Set the board up before playing. I'd add... Yeah. Tr- as you're you're setting it up, you'd probably think of an ending, and yeah. I would mm. always think of an ending. Again, even if that ending is going to change a hundred times, but always yeah. have that ending in mind because that's that that's the the finale, the showdown, the climax of the campaign. Yeah, for sure. 
Yep. Now I want to play some 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 uh, uh, forbidden stars. You know, always yeah. set up the board before you play, even if it that's, takes four hours. That's me setting up forbidden stars every time, man. I'm like, I forget how to play, even though I played last week. That's because we set up the board and play one turn, and then we're like, oh, we spent six hours setting up the board, and now it's midnight. I got to go to sleep. Time, time to go to bed. That's right. <laughs> now, what are good ways though to deliver exposition in a clunky manner? Like, well, let's say there are people out there who are like, listen. I need someone to maybe not read my 30-page PDF, but I need to deliver this massive bit of exposition now. Mm. How do I do it without really, really making my players sad and cry in the Funyuns? (laughs) Well, I guess if there's any way to break it up at all, do that. You know, I mean, if it's got to be done before a certain point, like before they leave on an adventure, let's say, um, you can still break the, the exposition up into a few but you know more manageable chunks, you know, and 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 it sounds kind of obvious, but make it interesting. I had someone post on on Facebook today about how uh, she was bothered that um, an audiobook she was listening to was pretty much just read like this, and then you know, and, and just this monotone voice. Yeah, and you love know. it. It's my favorite. <laughs> but, <laughs> right, but, right, but you know, but 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 that can really make the difference. You know, between a a boring exposition and an exciting exposition, and and one of the things I thought of is actually you know thinking of character exposition. Uh, uh, I was reminded of it when we were talking about Jaws. Is is Quint's little soliloquy in the boat at night when he's talking about what happened to him in the war? Yep. You know, I, I mean, all that is is exposition about his character essentially, but it's done in such a natural, organic, and 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 an intense way. That that it really works because he's just you know talking about how you know when when you know when when he went into the water after his his ship took took two torpedoes and he's and he's describing this sort of visceral experience that he had in the water and 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 what it meant to him and you know at the end he's you know I'll, I'll never put on a life jacket again you know and, yeah. and it's just a really powerful scene and um, that's a great way to that's that that's very different. Ex, you know, giving exposition that way, which just and and wraps the listeners, versus. Uh, so I was in the war and and I fell in the water and there were sharks and I was really scared and I and I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. show, don't, show don't tell. Show don't tell. <laughs> well, yeah, and he's yeah. looking like really, really panicky. Like just really yeah. imagine him. He's really freaking yeah. out now. Yeah, right, as, right, as right. opposed, yeah, as opposed to eleven yeah. hundred men go into the water. 316 men come out of the water. Sharks take the rest. (laughs) (laughs) I love that scene. One of the best, man. And and just on a side note, one of the really cool parts is the other two actors had no idea he was going to do that. And so... And their reactions are perfect. They're genuine, yeah. I mean, they're just, you know, the the looks... Yeah, Brilliant scene. Yes. At the end, when they when they look at each other and they have like that holy shit look on their face, it's just like perfect. (laughs) Those are actors saying, "Holy shit, this guy's yeah, exactly good at acting." (laughs) This guy, this actually happened to this guy. This guy is he's digging deep into the 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 the, what the hell the vaults of his mind. (laughs) The good the. the uh the uh the uh I'm telling you, man, I'm I'm on two cylinders of out of six. I'm a V six. <laughs> I was gonna ask how many they were to start with, but yeah, yeah, how many yeah. They were to start with. 
But you know what? I'm going to give some advice that was kind of given in the intros episode. And and what you do is you put on that NPC voice and you feign like you are a storyteller telling a story about these adventurers and their exploits. And you say, little did they know that long ago the dragons came. And then it's... It comes across as exposition, but again, like Alex yeah. said, it's that delivery yeah. and yeah, for sure. the tying into the story. <clears throat> There's someone who's clearly who clearly knows about these people in the future and they're you know, he's telling their story. And that kind of adds a sense of completion to the campaign. It, right. it holds it yeah. inside of a, a, a clean package. This is a story that we're telling about mm-hmm. these people, and yeah. here's the, the story as they lived it. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that, and I'm always happy to see that as a player. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing I was going to talk about is, uh, you know, we were, we were talking about what's a good way to do, like, an info dump, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we've talked about this before, but, you know, and, and we always talk about looking to movies and TV and things like that for yep. for ways to use narrative in, in, a, in a, you know, accessible way, in a cinematic way. And I think that doing something like a flashback or even a, a meanwhile sort of scene, you know, looking yeah. at what's happening elsewhere in the land, you know, <clears> if you're... If your yeah. uh, PCs are uh, running from a villain, show what the villain's doing, you know? And right. people are hesitant to do that because there's this there's this stigma of metagaming, you know, where right. you don't want right. to give the players information that their characters wouldn't necessarily have. Sure. But, like, it's not like your char- if, <laughs> if your characters know that the pe- that the bad guy just hired a guild of assassins to come after them, it's not like they're going to be able to do anything to stop that, you know? You... You yeah. do that as a way to show that the bad guy means means business. You do it as a way to introduce a, a you know another threat to them, and yep. you do it to <clears> instill <throat> in them a, a sense of fear. And effectively, what you're doing is you're you're doing exposition in a more active sort of cinematic way yeah. by showing what else is going on in the world. And I think that that doing things like that sparingly can be really cool. Like don't oh, yeah. don't narrate don't narrate a well, twenty minute <clears throat> scene that the players aren't involved in. Yeah, but yeah. start your session off with three or four minutes just describing the bad guy and what he's up to and then cut to the players and have the session begin, you know? Yeah. I mean, that could, that could certainly requires a certain style. For sure. You know, if you're having that sort of where they can see things that are going on, definitely more cinematic style where again, you're playing more for them as an audience and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but taking that same sort of, of, uh, idea you had of, of, uh, a villain taking out a a con you know a contract on the 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 party yeah um you know they they could just as easily learn the information just as an alternative um they see they see a young kid putting up a a, a poster in an alley you know with with wheat paste and 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 it's right. it, and it's and it's basically an offer for a reward for their their death, you know, that kind of thing, you know, yeah. so th- there, there are definitely different ways you can impart the information if you want to do it in, w- in a, based on your style, you know, totally, so totally. If, if you have this, this regular sort of narrator that comes in and says, uh, meanwhile, you know, uh, on, on the other side of town, uh, this was happening, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And that, yeah. and that, that, that's a cool style. Um, but if you don't want that style, there are other ways to impart the information, in, in bits and pieces, you know, like we were talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And Carnegie Hall it, man. Just try it, fail it, practice it, <laughs> fail it. Just keep doing it. And then yeah. eventually it's 
you know, it'll come more naturally. Just try new things. Try new things yeah. at the table, man. I I know it's scary sometimes, and it gives me anxiety sometimes to try <laughs> different things at the table and 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 try different techniques that I'm not necessarily yeah. well versed in. But most of the time, I'm glad that I tried it, and it and it gives me something. At the very least, at the very worst, I go, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again, and now I know. You know <laughs> what I mean? Work. Yeah. But if I if I like it, then it's like, hey, yeah. another tool yeah. for my GM toolbox that I can use later. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so let's take a question from the listeners. Nah. What do you think? I like it. No, not today. Not today. Nah, I, don't feel, I don't feel like what? it. Let's, let's switch it up. Let's take a question from people who don't listen to us. All right. Heather? <laughs> Heather! <laughs> <laughs> Give us a question. Her question is going to be, when are you going to be done so we can stop wasting done? electricity in the studio? <laughs> <laughs> this question comes from an Austin A. Uh, who asks... Uh, with 12 likes on our Facebook page, Ooh. the whopping 12 likes. This is the winner. He asks, how much info do you give your players about the world and setting before they make characters? How do you ensure that the characters players bring to the table fit the setting and have the requisite in-universe knowledge without doing an info dump mm. or leaning too heavily on tropes? I love this question because it's That's kind of the question. one thing we didn't talk yeah. about. What if you have to write something down? If something needs to go into a PDF doc... What if you got to write something, something, something down for the players to read mm. beforehand? M my immediate advice is make it three things on one page. And yeah. all three of those things have to tie into the characters somehow. Uh, yeah. Tell them how it would feel to play in the world. That's, that's right. the thing for me. Make sure yeah. it's a little bit easily digestible and have it explain how it would feel for a character to exist inside this world. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I think that, you know, actually as a player, I actually appreciate a little bit of a primer going into a game. You know, yeah. going in blind is, is, is okay sometimes, but uh, I actually appreciate if the GM will give me a little bit of guideline about the world and the kind of character that I'm creating because I want it to be a character that meshes with their idea of the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what I would recommend, and I know, Barker, you're a fan <clears> of this, <throat> is uh, one of my favorite things ever is in the Eberron campaign guide for 3.5, they had this thing that was like 10 facts about Eberron. Mm -hmm. And it was just a list of mm -hmm. 10 just random things yep. about Eberron that were important to the world. And we've done the same thing at Absolute Tabletop with our Aranoth and our Dragon Grin books. We have 10 facts about those worlds. Just so if yeah. you're new to the world, if you haven't experienced it yet, it gives you kind of a broad overview. And so maybe think about doing something like that. Just 10 important facts about the world, thinking about the level of magic that, you know, what it's like yeah. to be a normal person in that world. Like you're saying, Barker, what is it like to be a person in this world? Yeah. And just think about that and think about it from a character's perspective. And I think that something like that, if you keep it to a page or two is, yeah. is really helpful for players. Well, it, I mean, it's also important to think about who your characters are and where they're starting. Like if they're starting in a small village at, at the fringes of the world, then their view of your world may be, uh, uh, maybe very limited or even skewed, yeah. you know, they may, you know, uh, well, uh, well, we, we don't go much outside our borders, but we've heard stories of, of great dragons living in mountains and, you know, and maybe there aren't, maybe there are, but you know, the point is that they, they, they've heard these, all these just stories really from travelers and so forth. And so they don't have a really clear picture of the world. And that, that's kind of good from a GM standpoint because, you know, you can change things or not change things <laughs> depending yeah. on how you go. Because if you change it, then you can say, well, I guess those uh, those legends you heard in town were wrong, you know, or <laughs> yeah, uh, mm -hmm. 
they, I guess they exaggerated or maybe they didn't uh, know enough or whatever. You know, in, in a, especially in a fantasy world, it's not like they have the internet and communication and, and you know, cell phones and stuff where they can get information that quickly or television. It, it's, it all comes through, you know, people tr- passing through, you know? Yeah. And, and right. it gets distorted along the way and exaggerated. And so, you know, if you're starting a campaign that, the exposition for the world need not be complete nor accurate. <laughs> I guess it's yeah. the, yeah. it's the, it's we the can always line. Intro- <laughs> introduce the NPC that says, "You heard that? That's crazy." Now, when I cha- when I when the facts exactly. change, I change my opinion. I don't know what you do, you crazy adventurers. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's yeah, like yeah. Ru- like that's like pooping on the floor and then putting your player's face in it. Like, look what I did! Look what I did! <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to make an idea that people may steal? Yes, I would. Sure. And now, Roll Up and Die presents an idea you can steal. The one option that popped into my brain, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to do this or if you have any better ideas, but it was to take a big, long, boring exposition and break mm-hmm. it up into parts or find a way to explain it in a better way than an info dump. But it's totally up to you guys. Hmm. I know that's what I thought about it. I was like, this is a pretty good idea, but are there, there yeah, must well, this be a better the, one. Well, this is one of our more meta episodes. And so it's kind of hard yeah. because there's not a concrete like theme exactly. It's it's more about yeah. it's more about how you run the game rather than what's in it. Um we, do, we could go around in a circle and just come up with little tips. We didn't do the mm. quick tips part either. The part that I was gonna <laughs> Oh man, we were we're a failure. <laughs> we were all up in it, man. This is that's just it. Roll up and die will never truly find what it is. It's always searching. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe tomorrow we'll find our way home. With, 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 the, chimera, with the chimera of podcast. <laughs> uh, the metal band? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I love that. I love that band. Um, They're great. What if we, uh, okay, what about this? What if we, now that would take like 30 minutes. Never mind. I don't want to suggest that. <laughs> I was going to say, each of us could come up with uh, information that needs to be relayed like exposition that needs to be relayed and the and another person has to come up with a f- smart way to do it but I feel like that would take such a long time. How about mm. one person comes up with the exposition and we all take turns uh deciding how we might do it. I'm down okay. with that. All right, who's going to okay. come up with this? Let's see. 1 to 2 is me. Matt, you're 3 to 4. Okay. Alex, you're 5 and 6. Please no. Yeah, I know. That's a 4. Matt, that's Matt. Yes. So, I think that the information that needs to be ex Exposited. Exposed. Exposited is, um, <laughs> let's say that you need to present a culture of beast men to your players. Uh, I'm not sure where they come from or what they're like, but you need a good way to just sort of info dump about a culture of beast men that dwell in your world. Awesome. Now, like all it. three of us will get a chance. Okay. All right. Same numbers. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to put the mic real close to this roll. It's going to be me first. I guarantee it. Okay. Oh, you heard that go off the table. Here we go. That's a three. That's you, Matt. Oh, son of a... Okay. All right. So... (laughs) This is Matt's idea you can steal, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) What I would do is I would have the players are staying uh, in a village that is sort of on the borders of the lands that are controlled by these beastmen. And in this, uh, in this tavern that they're staying in, the walls are carved with these sort of deep, detailed uh, sort of reliefs 
Um, and they don't really take much notice of him at first. You know, the tavern's kind of dark, but as they're sort of sitting there and they're drinking and they're sort of talking about their adventures, <clears throat> the firelight sort of catches these these drawings and the flickering firelight and the, the deep shadows of, of evening as the sun sets makes the images seem to almost move. And then I would I would sort of describe a scene of the Beastmen, maybe an important event in their history that is that is uh, depicted in this relief. And I would use the drawings, the carvings, as a way to describe that and essentially have the player characters watch it happening and describe the a couple of important figures from the event and maybe a big battle that took place <clears throat> with another culture or something like that. Um, and use the art as a way to do that. I, I think that's nice. an awesome idea. Yeah. And cool. that, that, that got, gave me an idea too, so hopefully I roll my number. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a three, which would be me if, if okay. I'm one through three. So I would say, <laughs> if I'm assuming, see, see what I did there? I, I gave the, the rules after I rolled the die. Right, right. I saw that. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is we we are a we are a mafia state here at Roll Up and Die. Okay, so my uh, jumping uh, off of <clears throat> standing on the shoulders of giants here, I will say that very shortly after the actually in this Beastmen relief, right? Let's say we have this relief that's been described, and these heroes, uh, I would give the Beastmen a certain type of weapon, and whatever they use, like a, a specialized weapon, maybe a special scimitar. Um, oh, yeah. Or maybe they don't use weapons. Maybe they have three massive claws on their on, on each paw, and they, you know, so you see these tri swipes every every once in a while with three kind of parallel scrapes in this flashback, right, of these beastmen. Yeah, uh, I would put whatever the weapon is. I would put it somewhere. Maybe they're walking through the forest, and you see three parallel slash marks on this tree. Something has claimed territory here. Um, I love that. That's such good foreshadowing. Mm. Awesome. Uh, if if you decide a weapon, <clears throat> maybe have that weapon buried underneath layers of grass or stuck into the side of a tree or something, if it's an axe or a sword or something. Mm. Or they come upon like a dead guardsman with the weapon stuck in them. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I like and that. And they're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, what could it be? Man, beast yeah. man. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Now, now here's, here's the thing, though. <clears throat> I would show the relief before I showed the weapon or the yeah. claw marks. Oh, absolutely, now, yeah. Now, you, you can interchange them, but I was I say that because, Alex, I don't think yours should have to be the final one. I think that yeah. you can place it anywhere in the in the series. Right, right, because it's all about the exposition, not necessarily where or when. Yeah. yeah. But, of course, that's all assuming you get rolled here. I know. It, it, what are the odds? <laughs> Turns out 100%. That's you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Don't uh, tell no, me the odds. <laughs> never tell me the odds, kid. Yeah, no, uh, what I was thinking is it'd be kind of cool to have someone playing a board game off to the side of, of wherever the the, carrot, the main the PCs are. And it, it, it's kind of like a, a larger version of, of chess maybe. And, and they have some of the, the, the figures on it, but they have these – these uh, these sort of the these sort of beast figures that are part of this game, and mm. it, it take a little bit of extra work for the GM on that part. But but con- the, contriving this sort of stra- interesting game where, um, as they're playing it, if if the pieces are paying attention, it imparts 
information about these creatures, their their battle strategy. In other words, the game sort of sort of hints at how they how they do things a little bit differently in in their combat. Like maybe maybe they retreat, yeah. uh, uh, appearing to run away to lure their their opponents mm. in, 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 into these flanking sort of maneuvers, and, and it's it's, I love that. it's a typical thing That's for them, awesome. and it's reflected in this game. And and you know maybe it's maybe it's the way it's worded or something like that could give the 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 players uh, this kind of cool chance to say, you know, as 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 they start fighting these things later on after they've discovered the uh, the weapon and 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 you know now they're actually encountered these things. And 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 they watch them pull back in a way, and maybe oh, just yeah. maybe they remember that game. Yep. It's like, oh shit! <laughs> you know, we're about yeah. to get hit. We're about to get hit from the side now. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere on the planet Earth, a Warhammer fantasy player just had an RG bargy thinking, "That's not hard for me to do at all, man. I can set up." Uh, but uh, I've got a Beastman army in the tackle box. <laughs> I'm ready to Here's go. Here's the deal. You guys don't think that joke is funny, but somewhere out no. there, someone's like, oh my God, he's talking to me. And now he's explaining <laughs> yeah, I, I, it. I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never played it. So. <laughs> These kids in their tabletop miniature games. Kids in their, in their, in their Warhammers. And their <laughs> music. And their fax machines and hula hoops. <laughs> that's it, man. That's the, fa- that's the one. That's the yeah. one. <laughs> Every time, man. (laughs) See, and I, okay, so I I love this idea that we came up with because it's a really simple narrative way to get across information that you want your players to know, but not necessarily know that they know. Does that make sense? Like, you you want to incept your players. You want to put information (laughs) in their heads without them realizing it. And doing something like that, like the game that Alex was describing, or, you know, focusing on the weapons in the relief that they're looking at, is such a smart way to just, like, give them information without just saying, oh, yeah, the beastmen of this area, they wield these these clawed weapons, and uh, they use this tactic where they draw you into a retreat and then close in around you. It's like, that's so lame. Like, that just sounds so lame. But if you if you yeah. show them instead of telling them, so yeah. much better. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Roll Up and Die, your definitive RPG podcast, or so some people, three people say occasionally. Some, some posit. Some posit. Uh, my name is Barker. Some posit that. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. Hasta <laughs> lasagna. Don't get any on <laughs> <laughs> What you've just listened to has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2017. How official. The games, films, TV shows, and other stuff we talked about during this episode are the properties of their respective owners. So be sure to borrow nicely, okay? Any snippet, portion, clip, or other synonym for part of this show can absolutely be used in other media so long as credit is given to the Roll Up and Die podcast. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt can be found at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker can be found at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at www.absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog, and his work can be found on DriveThruRPG under Critical Hit Publishing. Be sure to keep track of us on iTunes at rollupanddie.podbean.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, everybody, and as always, happy gaming.